For years, I've thought if I was to live in Europe, Stockholm would be a great place to live. You know, it's a well-ordered society. It's as affluent as Norway, but without all that oil revenue, so they're doing it on their own. And Stockholm is a wonderful mix of lakes and islands and trees and people-friendly cityscapes. To learn more about Stockholm, I've invited a friend and fellow tour guide in. Her name's Marita Bergman. She joins us from Stockholm. Marita, thanks for flying all the way to Seattle to to be with us. Thank you very much. It's uh, an honor for me to be here. Marita, when you think about Stockholm, it's got this wonderful mix of lakes and the sea and the islands. You are right there. Uh, It is a mixture of islands and archipelago outside is very special for Stockholm. It has been a protection through the history and important for the location of Stockholm. Now, uh, Stockholm is the largest uh, city in, in Scandinavia, two million people almost, covered through all these islands. Now, originally buried at the end of this maybe 80-mile-long stretch of islands, thousands of islands, literally. Yeah. With the fortress out in the islands in the old days to protect the city. That's true. Uh, And actually, you need three hours to go through the archipelago until you come out into the Baltic Sea. So it's a huge, one of the largest in the world, in fact. And then one one of the delights for me in my travels is to take the boat. Every time I go from Stockholm to Helsinki on the boat... You have a three-hour cruise through this idyllic island, Wonderland. Yeah. And you wonder, where's the last island? Yeah, true. And, I mean, uh, coming up to Scandinavia, you're very close to the nature always, and that goes for Stockholm, too. Now, there's an economic foundation for this because I understand in the old days, uh, traders and so on would use the the Lake Malloran, a long lake, to get to the sea. And then Stockholm was where the, the lake actually tumbled into, there was a locks there, I think. True. In the middle of the 13th century, it became impossible for the ships to pass right where Stockholm is located today. Uh, It is in between the lake and the Baltic Sea, which is starting right in Stockholm. It is also a height difference in between the waters here of about three feet. So the lake goes into the Baltic Sea, actually. So it's a very current area there around Stockholm. And, and people uh, are fishing, right? right people are, yeah, people are fishing salmon there for free. It's, right uh, on the, in the middle of a two million person city, yeah. you've got people fishing for salmon and actually catching a lot. You know, uh, the record of a fish caught in Stockholm is 35 kilos. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the big news for coming up this um, summer solstice is the marriage of uh, Princess Victoria. Yeah. June 19th. June 19th, uh, that's the big day in Stockholm. It uh, is the big day. Last year when I was in Stockholm, Mm. the big news was the hotel I was in just got literally booked out by journalists from Germany. Yeah. And there was like dozens of journalists coming in, booking it for two weeks. This is a big deal when the the princess of Sweden is marrying her personal trainer, right? True. Her Daniel, her gym trainer. Now, he's a commoner. He's a commoner coming from a small place north of uh, Stockholm called Ockelbo. And, uh, of course, this uh, a lot of questions are raised here because of this. But uh, I want to say first that he has had a very long testing period in the royal uh, family, seven years. What is they a met... testing period in the royal family? <laughs> yeah. Uh, seven... Sounds kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seven years is a long period to be tested. Is he the right uh, man to be the prince, which he is going to be titulated uh, here in Sweden? Princess Victoria will always be very well-toned and in shape because her trainer will actually be sleeping with her. Yeah, you have a point there, <laughs> of course. Uh, but the comment now, the latest week, is uh, that uh, 
from the king because he did the same thing. Well, uh, the, the king, king married a commoner. Yeah, from, from Germany, uh, Sylvia. So he said, now, uh, I want my children to marry of love. And now she does that too. Well, if you did not have that option, your pool of opportunity would be very small. Mm. Yeah. There are There's not... two million people in Stockholm, but not very many uh, royalty. No, and not many royalties in, in Europe either. I mean, uh, they are limited. <laughs> so now the Swedish monarchy is the, your classic Scandinavian constitutional monarchy, right? Uh, they are really uh, figureheads, uh, and, and the parliament and the constitution has all the power. Uh, that is true. Uh, since 1905, the king has no power at all. And I think that is a, a very, very important uh, explanation why the royal family is so popular. We have had now questionings in our population about if uh, we shall continue to have uh, the royal family still as uh, the figurehead. And we say yes, because we know they are doing a good job. Well, you pay high taxes, and, and the royalty cost a lot of money. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, that they had their children in ordinary schools from the beginning, trying to be close also to the people, trying to get to learn the ordinary people, how they live and so on. That's why they can uh, still be here. Well, you can go out and tour the palace at Drottningholm as a tourist. Uh, yes, you can. And it live. is a lived-in palace. Yeah, true. And if you're lucky, you can see the, the queen, or at least when I was there a few years ago when she had smaller kids, they would, the queen would put the kids in the car and take them to a public school. Uh, yeah, uh, so they did. And they took uh, that decision because they wanted their children to know how it is to, to live in Sweden. And I think that is the clue why they are still remaining figureheads uh, in Sweden. And if all goes well, someday Victoria and Danielle will be the king and the queen. Uh, Daniel will not be the king because oh. that's, that's not possible. He oh, will see. be a prince. But sure, Victoria is going to be our queen next time. Now, their marriage is uh, a couple days before, I guess, summer solstice. Yeah. Tell me about the Midsummer Festival. Mm. It's uniquely Swedish. More than any other place, I think the Swedes really get into Midsummer Night's Eve. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, the only pagan uh, ceremony that we still have left. Otherwise, we are a Lutheran country. But this is really, really important for the Swedes. It's uh, the lightest period of the year. And uh, it's a family ceremony, too. We get together and uh, we have very, very special rituals uh, during the midsummer night. And what are, uh, can you explain those? Uh, well, the rituals are that uh, hardly no sleep for, for the first. Uh, we get together. Uh, we eat the same food every year, which is then uh, herring and sour cream as main meal. And then afterwards, we are having strawberries. And of course, uh, not the least, we are also drinking our vodka to uh, the herring. That's very, very important. What do you call the vodka? It is snaps uh, or aquavit. 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 The water of life. The water of life, yes. Yes. So we basically, say, it's a big party. And everybody stays up all night. They eat all the traditional food and drink lots of vodka. Yeah, and sing a lot, too. Are you there when the sun rises? Is that part of the, the ritual, the pagan ritual? We are together when the sun rises also, and we are hardly sleeping at all this night. So really, you, that is the longest day of the year. It is. And you wait for the sun to rise. Yeah. And the Lutherans let this happen. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. And there are some that has to go to sleep, and that are uh, the girls that are not married. 
And that's a special thing that I want to, to, to say something about too. If you are an unmarried girl, this night will perhaps tell you who you are going to be married to. Uh, and uh, to do so? that, yeah. And if you want to know that, you have to sleep a couple of hours, and you also have to have seven flowers. Then the number seven is ma- magical uh, under your pillow, and uh, sleep a little bit, and then you will dream about the next coming husband. Does it work? Uh, well, another thing is that you can't tell anyone. It's oh. only for yourself. That's okay. also another thing. So this is a very hopeful time. It's the after the long, dark winter, you have progressively uh, longer and longer days. And then this is sort of the climax, you could say, of the uh, solar calendar. Yeah, that it is. And it's a fertility thing, too, then. Uh, it is. Uh, people are getting a lot of energy and out of the sun, of course, of uh, the warmth of the family. And when I see you talking, I just feel like this is distinctly Swedish. How do you see yourself distinct from Danes and Norwegians as a Swede? Mm. Sweden, through the history, has been a little bit of the leading country of Scandinavia. It isn't anymore because now we have been caught up of Norway, especially. I just heard about the GMP now recently that uh, Norway is now have a higher GMP than Sweden. But we have been very proud uh, leading the Scandinavian countries, at least from the 16th century. Well, you had Gustavus mm. Adolphus, right? The Lion of the North. Uh, true. When Sweden was a superpower. Yeah. I mean, down in Europe, far, farther south, they were afraid of the Swedes. Yeah, and they were begging in, in Germany especially, don't let the Swedes come down to us uh, because of this king, Gustav II Adolphus. And that was all wrapped up in the religious wars too, right? Yeah, true. So it was the defender of the Protestants against the Roman Catholic Church yeah, riding yeah. down from the north. Yeah. And you go to the armory today, one of the greatest museums, I think, for military history in all of Europe, the armory on, in Gamalistan in Yeah, Stockholm. it's formidable. And, yeah. Oh, mm. it's an incredible museum. Mm. And there you see, it's like a shrine mm. to Gustavus Adolphus. Yeah, you yeah. You see the horse he was riding when he was shot. Yeah, true. And you see the clothing also. It's oh, very it's... exciting, very exciting. And if you're there but... with a Swede, you feel mm. like you're in the presence of uh, relics of Napoleon or something mm. like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. You remember the, the glory days of Sweden, but now you're a little bit humbled by modern economic and, and changes and so on, and you realize that you're a family of Scandinavian nations without being dominant. Exactly. Norway and Sweden, we have the most common in, uh, in between the countries, I think, of these three, because Sweden and Norway also was uh, a union until 1905. Denmark, they have a little bit different history, and you can see also the differences in between Denmark, Norway, and Sweden insofar that Denmark is the, the more liberal country ah. uh, looking at the values today. Uh, Sweden, Norway, very regulated countries. And this is astounding to me because I was just in Scandinavia last year talking to Swedes, Danes, and Norwegians, and I found Norwegians and Swedes surprisingly conservative in a lot of areas, and yeah. Danes very progressive. Uh, yeah, that's true. But uh, I, I mean, must organized have, society. Mm-hmm. I mean, people realizing we're all going to work together. We're yeah. going to compromise a little bit on our individual freedoms in order for yeah. us to live well together. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I must also say that uh, the last years now in Denmark, we have other signals too. They are progressiveness in, in some way, and talking about immigration and so on. They are closing up the doors now. They 
there. And uh, you can see that uh, immigrants are coming over to Norway and Sweden because they are more regulated in Denmark. All right. We'll talk more about that Mm -hmm. shortly. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm speaking with Marita Bergman, who's a guide in Stockholm. And we're talking about Sweden and the capital city and Marita's hometown, Stockholm. Marita, we were talking about the Scandinavian countries relative to each other and so on. I remember looking at a map, a historical map once, that showed Denmark when it was the big empire and Copenhagen, the capital of Denmark, which is on the far east edge of the country today, was exactly in the middle of the Danish empire as Denmark controlled much of southern Sweden. Yeah, true. And today when you look at that southwestern part of Sweden, these people have Danish heritage? Yeah, They have a lot in common, and that part of Sweden also stayed Danish for a longer time. Well, uh, that is a special corner of Sweden. That's true in many ways. And it's drawn to Copenhagen, especially now they have this big bridge that goes right across the sound. It's it's a fantastic, expansive area. The bridge has done everything to this area, of course. And it makes Malmo a bedroom community for Copenhagen, which then makes Copenhagen rival Stockholm as the big commercial center. Yeah, true. And people are going over for work uh, to Denmark uh, and to Sweden, so they are connected to each other uh, today again. You talked a minute ago about how immigrants are finding Sweden and Norway a little more welcoming Mm -hmm. these days. Yes. Is Sweden um, doing well with assimilating immigrants and working with immigrants with the reality that a society like Sweden, which is relatively sparsely populated, needs to have sort of a boost to its working force mm. to bring in immigrants to do the, the hard jobs that Swedes might not want to do. Mm. The whole guest arbiter, guest worker sort of thing. Uh, I think um, uh, two sides of the medallion uh, here, too. Uh, it's not so easy to explain. Uh, we are in Sweden and in Scandinavia, working a lot on the values from the very beginning in the schools. We think that to raise democratic, broad-minded people is the, one of the main issues to do in, in the Swedish school, not only to bring knowledges, but to make decent people and open-minded people of our children. But on the other hand, the economic situation is the other side, to assimilate the people coming. We are now taking in people from um, critical political areas as Somalia and Afghanistan. Iraqis. Uh, Iraqis, not so much anymore, but uh, we see them in, in the schools. We see also that Sweden, as a small country, we need skills. We see it positively. Uh, languages, and we need also other cultural competences uh, in all our companies. So you to... can uh, work in a global society. Exactly. Well, that's exactly. a very positive reason to bring people in from other other realms. Yeah, and, and we think so. I must say the Swedes think so. But on the other hand, it's very, very uh, difficult to assimilate these people into the ordinary society. With that, I mean also to buy houses, apartments in ordinary Swedish areas. That's very, very hard for... Have you uh, ever seen a Somali or an Iraqi properly sucking on the head of a crayfish? Uh, no, I haven't. See, but assimilation I, is quite a challenge. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, but I think also that the newcomers are meeting these cultural uh, things uh, in schools. I was just in mm-hmm. Stockholm for six days making a TV show, and every couple of hours we were in a taxi, and most of the cabbies are immigrants yeah. and fluent in English mm-hmm. and fascinating to talk about. And mm-hmm. it is a challenge, and their attitude is generally not to squat but to assimilate. Mm-hmm. And I think that, to me, must be the, the beautiful ideal. If you can bring people in from different countries, have them assimilate into mm-hmm. your society 
while not abandoning their culture and their religion entirely, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. working with the people instead of squatting on that land and taking advantage of the welfare system. Yeah, and uh, I think all the communities in Sweden, we are uh, 279 communities, uh, that most of them think that this is a good thing to have new people because they uh, need then work label and they also have a positive attitude to come and also want to help. And it makes life more interesting. Mm-hmm. I think literally a generation ago there was not a single ethnic restaurant no. in Sweden. Uh, Maybe a Chinese restaurant and that was it. It has happened so much. But looking Imagine I mean, a mm, world with only Swedish food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, that's good uh, for about 10 days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you are right there. Uh, d- diversity is the best to do, and we think so. But because we are a people also that like to travel all around the world. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Sweden with Marita Bergman. Our phone number, 877-333-7425. Email us anytime at radio at ricksteves.com. Eric's on the line in Moorpark, California. Eric, thanks for your call. Thank you, Rick. Got a comment on Sweden or a question for Marita? Hi, Eric. Uh, well, I, I live in Stockholm now. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm actually on vacation in California. But, uh, you know, I've had a chance to travel a lot around Europe, and I have to say that every time I return to Stockholm, I, I fall in love with the city even more. It, it <laughs> is such a, such a great place and so underrated, I feel. Yeah. Where do you live then in Stockholm? I live in Södermalm. Oh, well, that's a happening young, place, isn't it? Yeah, it's the young area. Yeah, you're where the action is. Yeah, yeah, I am, and it's you know uh, being an American and 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 living there and and living in kind of Bohemian area, which I feel that Södermalm is or what it's known for. Yeah, you get out amongst the younger Swedes in the park, and you have a picnic, and it just uh, in the summertime, it's just it's very Scandinavian. It's a lot of fun. Okay, Eric, uh, this is Södermalm that we're talking about. Stockholm is a bunch of islands, and Södermalm is uh, like an island, I believe, and it. Yeah. It's there's the real progressive vibe there. Um, explain that to people who haven't who have not been to Stockholm. Well, I think that Stockholm has some uh, some interesting districts. You kind of have a, have a higher end, uh, a very classy district, and you have an older district, which is Gamlestan, and then you have a shopping district. And Södermalm is a very, uh, I, I would say, a bohemian feel. It's young and progressive. There's a lot of art. I, we live in an area where it's Hornstuhl, and there's a, a lot of art studios and interesting music shops. And it's just a uh, it's a very interesting feel. It's a very community feel with a very Scandinavian flair, I guess. And isn't that uh, a good thing, Eric, that uh, the big skyscraper there uh, close to Midborgplatsen, mm-hmm. now they have done that to a student home for students. Yeah, it's well, being a student myself, actually, I'm getting my master's degree there. And, yeah, and, and uh, yeah. being a part of that community, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's a very big, small city feel where, where yeah. you really feel a sense of community with, uh, as you guys were speaking before, a couple million people living there. But mm. it just doesn't feel that way. It's, it's very homey that way. Yeah. You know, Eric, I, I was just there doing some research for my guidebook, and I found this, like, gravelly beer garden on a bluff overlooking the harbor there, a Mosebeck. Uh, yeah, Mosebeck. <laughs> and uh, I just was uh, so charmed by the crowd there. Uh, do you go there? What do you make of that place? Oh, that, in the summertime, I don't think that there's a better place to have a cold beverage in Stockholm. The, mm-hmm. the view that's there and, and, the, and like you said, the, the people that are there, it's sitting there, uh, you know, people with their, with their shirts off and, and having a pitcher of beer and sharing it with friends. Uh, we've gone there before and sat at a table. And next thing you know, I have, uh, you know, 15 new Swedish friends that found out that I was an American and, uh, you know, wanted to talk about American TV and, uh, you know, the Swedes have a some type of a, a stigma that they are very uh, reserved people, and w- which they are. But I will have to say that when you find Swedish friends and you interact with Swedish people and you get to know them, they are some of the friendliest people that I know anywhere in the world. Well, you, you speak from experience because you, you must have visited and you decided you wanted to stay and uh, you feel very comfortable there. Do you speak Swedish or do you uh, operate out of English? 
Uh, no, I, 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 you have to show a little svenska, mm-hmm. but the problem that I have is it means <laughs> I, I speak a little Swedish. The problem that I have is the Swedes, and I would say this is such an attribute of Stockholm and Sweden in general, is that English is so prevalent within the culture that I, I don't have a chance to practice my Swedish. You know, that's a big frustration for me, too, when I go to countries like Norway and Sweden and, and uh, the Netherlands and so on, is people just jump right into English. It's they, they almost think in English. And, of course, if you speak Swedish, your, your world is 10 million people or something, and you're going to have to have something that's broader. And mm. I would think if somebody's going to learn a second language, it's not going to be Greek. No, and, and I mean, everyone uh, starts to learn uh, English from the third class. So, so it's the second mother language, you can say. I've heard people can get a job like being a postman or something, not even speaking the local language mm-hmm. correctly. I mean, mm-hmm. people are so multilingual. Hey, Eric, have you ever been to a place called Mahler Pavilion? Mahler Pavilion, maybe. Uh, I'm it's, not familiar it's with the name. Of a, is it at? It's a trendy kind of cocktail bar restaurant <laughs> floating on the lake, about a 10-minute walk up the lake from the city hall. Uh, absolutely, yes, I have been there. It's a, it's a beautiful yeah. walk along the lake, and when the sun is low in the sky, everybody's rosé. Everybody's drinking rosé wine. Yeah. And exactly. It, the yeah, sun and the little shines. buckets of ice. Yeah. Now, what is with the rosé? It's just must be every. That's the the drink of the year, I think. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not quite sure. I know that the the Swedish summertime there is. That's a very refreshing drink to have at nine o'clock at night if you're relaxing in the sun. So it's such a great spot because you have a, a, a beautiful view of looking back on Sodermalm, actually. But um, yeah, it's a, it's an awesome spot. All right, Eric. Mm-hmm. You found I think you found a fun niche. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Goodbye. See you Bye. in Stockholm. Marita, when you think about Stockholm and Sweden, you think of progressive sort of uh, people. And the big question to me lately is the modern family. Uh, In Sweden, a lot of people just don't even consider getting married. It's just people live together and have Mm. their kids. And Mm. it's sort of um, more of an easy flow situation. Has that changed in the last decade? Is there a backlash against that? What's the general picture? Mm. Well, firstly, uh, Stockholm is one of these cities where if you're not married, go to Stockholm because we have a lot of single persons, uh, more than 50% living in Stockholm. I read it was more single people in Sweden than any other country. Yeah, true. I don't know why. Uh, It has to do perhaps with the the living situation, uh, small apartments, very expensive to live in big apartments in Stockholm. But on the other hand, uh, I would say that people are getting married more and more today, uh, but in different ways. I mean, we are progressive in that way that you can also get married to the same sex uh, in that way. So uh, that had been legalized now, f- I don't know the year, but uh, it is okay to do that. But what we a little bit are uh, longing for, and I think the younger generation is uh, the big uh, ceremony in the church, uh, the family party afterwards, the dinner and so on, uh, that we didn't have before. A little bit more glamour around it. So a little more ceremony and, and public commitment to e- the to the union. Yeah, that's true. I met uh, the a woman who's the uh, lead pastor or priest in the cathedral there in Gamlestan. Wonderful yeah. woman. And yeah. uh, it was interesting to talk to her about how there is more of a conservative movement to, to have a little more ritual and a little mm-hmm. more formality in things. One thing fascinating to me, when I'm there during graduation time, I see a lot of high school kids uh, drunk in trucks going through the streets of the yeah. cities. Yeah. What's with that? <laughs> it must be very funny to see. Uh, well, that is also kind of a ritual that uh, the students have. Uh, of course, uh, they want to uh, do a lot of party because the school is over. But, I mean, going up to uh, the high school level there, the three years, is very important. 
I, I heard that, just to finish off with the drunkenness, I heard that the parents hire the cars and the trucks and actually host the keggers so the kids won't drive. Do, uh, have you heard of that, or is, that, is there an explanation? That, do the parents endorse this kind of activity as long as there's not drinking and driving because it's a graduation celebration? Yeah, I, I think you have uh, right there because uh, uh, this ritual is so very worked into the system, so to say, uh, so you can't stop it. They, won't, they would do it anyway. And it's kind mm-hmm. of a parental pragmatism. They're yeah. going to do it anyways. Yeah. Let's provide a driver. And let's make the kids so they don't have to hide about this and lie to their parents. Yeah, that is that is true. If you're traveling through Sweden mm-hmm. anywhere in May and June, you're going to see these party vehicles going around. Yeah. And at the first glance, you might go, this is terrible. Kids are drunk mm-hmm. in public. Second glance, they're celebrating the finishing of a high school career, mm-hmm. and their parents are paying for the party, and the kids are not drinking and driving. I think also that uh, they are getting drunk, but uh, it's uh, limited in a way also. They're drinking beer for the first uh, uh, and Mm -hmm. for the second now. They are really, really dancing, making a party on these. So uh, we have very few examples uh, that they are... uh, It's a decent drunkenness. Yeah, yeah, it's a decent drunkenness, I would say so. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking with Marita Bergman, who comes to us from Stockholm in Sweden. Marita, if a traveler is going to be in Stockholm sometime during the year, not during Midsummer Night Eves, because that's the obvious thing, June 22nd or yeah. whatever, yeah. but some other time, and they want to really have a festival and connect with the locals and, and feel like part of the scene, what would be a good bet? Well, uh, that is for sure going out somewhere you, where you can eat crayfish. Crayfish? Crayfish, that's the big thing in August. And uh, how do you do that? Well, the best thing to do that is to go out somewhere in the archipelago, I think. So this take a ferry boat from Stockholm out to a small community in the islands. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing to do that. Or you can do it on the ferry boat, too. There oh, are really? possibilities to do it on the, uh, the small boats, too, also. So you get together, you, you order your crayfish. Yeah. And... And you order also the aquavit, of course, because for each, for one claw. Each crayfish has two claws. Yeah. So you have two little drinks of aquavit. So for each claw, you have one aquavit for that. Uh, That's a kind of a ritual. And for every aquavit that you take also afterwards, you have to sing a song, so-called snaps songs (laughs) in Swedish. Uh, they are very short songs, and that, that keeps also the festivity uh, together uh, and also rising up uh, the atmosphere very, very much. Okay, so I'm on a boat with, like Eric, with a bunch of new Swedish friends. It's August, so it's crayfish time. Yeah. You, you join a group of people, and they've got their crayfish, and they've got their akavit. And yes. each crayfish has two claws, so you have to have two slugs of akavit. Yeah, that's true. And the sun is warming up all of the islands that you cruise by, those little cabins, and everybody's out on their decks enjoying mm. the wonderful long summer nights. Mm. And you're going to sing a song. Sing me a crayfish song. Uh, Helan går, and then we drink your aquavit. Sjung hopp för allan lej. Good. And what does that mean? You can't explain it. It's just like a, a funny... What's the no, last No meaning. Uh, if you take helan, uh, that's to take the whole glass at one time. If you take only half of this, you, you, you sing halvan, uh, then you drink half of it only. Uh, so you, you take it in two times, 
uh, that that's it. So it's just a, it's, you're, <laughs> you're going to drink a half a glass, you're going to drink a full glass. Yeah. And that's uh, just over and over. Yeah, and uh, you have also to know that you are surrounded then with uh, family, friends and so on. There are also other things on the table, uh, bread, especially cheese to that also. And when you take the crayfish for the first time, you have to also sip the sauce out of the crayfish, which the crayfishes are boiled into with dill, uh, very much so salt in it. So you sip in the dish that the crayfish was No, you in. sip right... Uh, out uh, of its body? Out, out, out of its body oh, like that. Or you break its arm off and you suck the juice out uh, of that. Uh, yeah, that's true, like that. All right. Uh, and then you take the claws because the claws, the okay, meat and the claws claw. are very, very good. Yeah, you break the claws. Uh, and what do you do to the head? Uh, nothing. Oh, you break the head, of course. And but throw you it do, away. Yeah, you Thank throw it goodness. away. Yeah. But the claws are, are good. If you're really good... Uh, crawfish eater, you take also the, the butter that is uh, within uh, the head of the crawfish. The butter? Mm-hmm. What is the butter? You mean the, the brains? Ca- no. <laughs> no. Uh, if you look into it, there is a small surface of butter-like uh, things that but you just take. But it's not butter a- that a cook put in there. It's butter that's part of its uh, yeah, its yeah. physical makeup. Yeah. Okay, so butter is a euphemism for some sort of a yeah, soft meat, yeah, we true. would say. Yeah. So the real good crayfish eater goes for the delicacy in the head. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. Sounds like you're not the best crayfish eater. <laughs> I take the best out of it, yes. Okay, but yeah. you're probably good with the drink. Sing us that one last line again. You've got your drink and... Thank you very much, Marita. Tusen tak. Varsågod. Tack så mycket. Varsågod. Steves teaches smart travel to Scandinavia, the Baltics, and beyond. At ricksteves.com, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours, a monthly travel newsletter, and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To gear up for your next Nordic adventure, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.